I want to take a minute to tell everyone about the app that helps make this show possible. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Most importantly, it's free. I always got to lead with that. If you're new to podcasting and feel a little intimidated by the whole process, Anchor doesn't charge you a dime to set up an account, so it's a great app to use while you get your feet wet. You also don't have to be an audio engineer to produce your own show. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone, tablet, or computer. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in your bedroom, fit into your closet if you can, go into a garage. You don't always have to have a fancy studio to uh, make a podcast happen. You really just need something you're passionate about and a chance to click record. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Music, Spreaker, Overcast, and many other platforms. You don't have to go log into each account and submit an RSS feed. Anchor takes care of that for you. Not only is Anchor free, but you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've been doing this show for 10 months and I've already been able to quit full time at my day job and just work part time. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one easy to use place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Remember, that's Anchor, 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 like from a boat. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Cake and Conversation, creeping up on double digits. That's pretty cool. I'm your host, Jay Vite, and this week's guest is Jacoby Bearfield. Funny little story about that real quick. Uh, when I first saw his name, I'm an idiot, and I was like, oh, Jacob. That's an interesting name. And then my friend was like, I'm pretty sure it's Jacoby, jackass. And I was like, oh, you're right. So yeah, Jacoby Bearfield is my guest this week. Before I get started, though, I have to mention that the past week has been pretty hard for me personally. I had a few days where I was struggling in a rut just for for real no particular reason. And then I also lost a close friend in a horrible accident. I don't normally dive too far into talking about my personal life, but I had the discussion with myself multiple times on whether or not to skip a week of the show. I even thought about waiting another day or two. But I ultimately decided that what was best for me mentally and emotionally was to get this episode out by my own due date. One of the many things that I'm proud of so far is that I've been able to get an episode out every Tuesday by around 9 o'clock p.m., 9 or 9.30. There's no rhyme or reason for Tuesday at 9 because my stats show that people listen to the show at random times anyway, whenever it's convenient for them. But it's a personal goal for me and I know in six months I'll be really excited and super proud of myself for doing this show weekly when I kind of look back at my catalog of episodes. I'm not contractually bound, I don't have a boss, I don't have producers or investors yet, so there won't be any seasons of Cake and Conversation. Unless something significant happens, I want to string together a huge number of consecutive weekly episodes because I think that'd be pretty cool. Also if it came down to it, my late friend would 100% insist that I not miss a show for her. So this week's episode is dedicated to her memory. When I was first trying to plan my conversation with Jacoby, I went in with the assumption that he was an author. He's published a book titled Walk on Water, so he definitely is an author. But after talking with him, I quickly found out that calling him that comes nowhere close to defining what he's in the process of accomplishing. We'll talk about this during the conversation, but I was surprised to learn that he has a strong, strong dislike for writing in general. Never considered himself a writer growing up, never kept a journal full of poetry, never aspired to sell books. I can't wait for you guys to hear more about that later. He's an intermediate pastor at Crossroads Church. He has a full-time day job out of the plants in Freeport, and he has plans in the works for a speaking tour that'll see him travel to churches across the country to help spread the message of his book. That message is that in order to grow as a person, one must embrace and acknowledge their own fears. For example, if someone has a crippling fear of public speaking, the best way to handle that fear is to attack it head on. 
once they prove to themselves that they can handle the fear, it's not so scary anymore. It's like the adrenaline rush and endorphin high that someone with a fear of height gets while skydiving for the first time is uncomparable to most other feelings in life. For Jacoby in particular, he has a speech impediment that he's had to handle his whole life and he's embraced that issue by embracing the word of God and wanting to spread the holy word to as many people as possible. And it says a lot that he can get in front of groups and sometimes large groups of people and speak, which some might consider maybe his biggest weakness. If you want to look at it that way, he embraces it and truly a brave man. His dessert of choice is lemon cake, not to be confused with former guest Eddie's favorite lemon bars. There is a difference. I recorded with him after I finished working a bar shift at my day job. So I just went across the street to H-E-B in Pearland to find the goods. I'm not going to lie, if it's up to me to pick a dessert, lemon cake or lemon anything will probably be low on the list. However, I'm not a picky eater and the cake was badass. I had my milk roadie by my side and I proceeded to even have a second slice of cake during the conversation. Don't ask me how I haven't gained 10 pounds during the last two months. And believe it or not, I've actually lost weight without really like, I don't hit the gym. I like to run, but... I know some people won't be too happy to hear that from me, but I know what helps a little bit is not drinking alcohol. For sure, I've replaced the sugar from booze with the sugar from cakes. At the time of this recording, I'm at 10 and a half weeks being boozeless, and it's not easy. I really you know, have moments almost every day where it's like, man, just have one beer, have one glass of wine. Wouldn't be that big, big a deal. I still smoke weed at night, so I can't claim to be clean and sober, but if I can stop drinking, then any one of you can help yourself make changes in your life for the better. My conversation with Jacoby goes a little longer than the average of my other guests so far, but there was no way I was cutting him off. The man's compassionate and super positive, even in the hardest of times, and I'm super grateful that he and his lovely wife invited me into their beautiful home. I won't make you guys wait any longer, so here's my conversation with Jacoby Bearfield. All right, so lemon cake specifically, why did you uh, go with lemon cake as your favorite dessert? I started off as like a family thing growing up or? I would guess for holidays and Thanksgiving, it seemed like every family gathering or or tragedy we came together, I always saw lemon cake. Lemon cake. So indulged in the lemon cake, and now it's pretty much my favorite go-to. That's your go-to. Like sweet potato pie. The uh, you're not a big cheesecake fan, not not a cool. big cheesecake fan. <laughs> it just we gotta have the lemon cake. Gotta have the lemon cake. I don't see lemon cake. Uh, no, I'm good. Don't think, don't want to mess with it too you. much. Uh, you could go without the sweets. It was cool. The my second episode was with this rapper Eddie, and he did lemon bars. And that was the first, like, I never even uh, like, heard of lemon bars. So when you said lemon cake, it kind of reminded me of that. Everybody's got their little thing, you know. Um, so getting into college, you studied biology and chemistry. Mm-hmm. So I kind of find it interesting. Um, even though, you know, people tend to lean on the scientific side or the spiritual slash like religious side, you know, it's usually one extreme or the other. So did your curiosity with your faith lead you to an interest in like biology and chemistry or was it the other way around? I would more so say the other way around because originally I went to school for pharmacy. Okay. Pharmacy school. That didn't work out. So once that didn't, it, didn't work out. My degree plan aligned with biology and chemistry. Now, I still was intrigued with biology, the microorganism, bacteria, uh, epidemiology, yeah. and things of that nature. So I said, well, I need a degree, and I, I can use this degree because I'm in tune with it, and I love what I do in the lab, making the bacteria and the, the mold and different things like that. Yeah, so seeing things from its base. I, I stay with that. And so I kind of think that my faith aligned with the different things of that, uh, how the body works mentally, physically, uh, scientifically on that thing. So that really helped me along the way with knowing my path and knowing. It wasn't ever really like necessarily, wasn't necessarily confusing. Like if you didn't think about like, oh, evolution or you know, faith, you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at here. And, it's just an interesting mix. And that, that kind of, 
I'm glad you asked that question because I've always was intrigued by that evolution. And when the, the Bible says, you know, God created it, everything, but scientifically it says, well, we came from this and yeah. came from that. And I'm like, ah. but it never was a negative me, a negative aspect. It was more of, of something I wanted to dive into and research for myself. Right. Faith. On, on both on both spectrums, so I want to know about evolution to yeah. see what s- science says. But I also want to know what my faith says. Faith says I never also. thought it would. I never saw it as a negative like, for me. Right. With them aligning together, yeah. I always I kept it separate. You know, I I respect the scientific side and I respect the religious the, side. The faith side, yeah. Uh, growing up, you're from. We're in Rochelle area right now. You're from Houston area, or yeah, I'm from Houston. I'm born and raised in Houston. In the city, Be, yes. In the city, we begin on the the south side, okay. so it's considered like South Park. Yeah. And then from like elementary on up to high school, we moved to the north side, and I was uh, off of Homestead and Mesa Road in that area. North north side. Yeah. You got a big family. A bunch of brothers and sisters. I. Immediate family, it, it just me and my brother. I have a stepsister. I have two stepsisters and two stepbrothers okay. because my mom is married. He, she got remarried. Yes, well, she got remarried, and she got and he has kids. And then my dad, he got married and had kids. They had kids. Oh, well, so- she already had a daughter. So okay. Holidays are pretty easy for you though, getting to see both sides of the family. Yeah, it's yeah. but it can also get hectic too though because you're t- trying to make sure you hit every spot. Now, yeah. when I'm hungry, it's a blessing, right? You know, hey, yeah. food here, food here, food there. But you're trying to see everybody, and you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah, if you, you didn't come by, I'll, I'll come by later. Right, it's always a blessing, and I have a host of cousins because my grandmother had ten children. Ten. Ten children. My mom's a twin. Okay. A twin. Uh, he died at birth, so it was nine. And all of them, they had children. So I got a host of cousins. All kinds of cousins and stuff. Aunties and uncles. Six aunties and three uncles. Yeah. And then so, they all got kids. Do you have any yeah, kids yourself? I do not. No? Not currently. No, not currently. You're looking to have kids, so obviously oh, one day, right? Definitely. Say, I'm 30 years old, and I've said this before, so the listeners have heard it, but yeah, I'm dodging bullets, man. 30 <laughs> years old, never married, no kids that I know about. You know, right? I'm just kidding. None. <laughs> no, yeah, none. Walking around that you know joke, man. I've been to Buffalo once, but no, I'm kidding. It's not <laughs> his fault if he got something. Right. Know. So um, after, after you graduated with the, the bio and chemistry, you continued your education at Southwestern Baptist? Yes, sir. And that was in Theological Seminary. So I'm guessing I kind of learned a little about learned a little bit about that's one of the steps that lead you into pastor, being a yeah. yeah being a pastor yeah so this had to this had to do you wanted to do it the right way I, I'm guessing I'm trying to say is you can be a pastor without studying theology oh, correct but you just wanted definitely. to take that extra step I did because I felt the call to learn more okay to enhance my calling to dive deeper and deeper and deeper to be able to help. Uh, the people because we all have issues, right? I'm just gonna be honest. We, are, I'm not perfect, Jay. I know you're not perfect, no, we're but close. we all have issues. So I want to be able to dive deeper and intertwine faith with your issues. Well, maybe your uh, the issue is depression. Want to be align our faith and what the Bible says to help you with your depression, or maybe you got a aligned spirit and you want to. Uh, you need help on that. I want to be able to to align faith and to be able to help you because I see the uh, the church as a hospital. Okay, hospital. That's an interesting way to look at it. We all need help. We all come to the church because we have a need. Yeah. And we need care. And if I, as the pastor, or let's say as the doctor, cannot help you, there is an issue there. That's a, I've never heard that, I guess, metaphor before where you can relate church as a hospital and like almost being sick and coming and healing yourself. And it, it's funny you say that because you were in pharmacy earlier 
So yeah. that's how you can, that's your brain goes to that first. Yeah. That's fascinating to me that you, you can relate it that way. Yeah, this cake is pretty good too. Lemon cake's good. Yeah, wow. H-E-B. They're in yeah. Pearland. It's not bad. Uh, one of the things I want to do with the dessert, because I've had this idea and I keep talking about it and I got to do it, is to find local bakers and then partner up with them and have oh, them sweet. do the dessert because it gives it more of a personal touch. You know, that cake is one of one. Yeah. And then it also lets me promote for that bakery. Oh, like, hey, oh, here's definitely. a little shout out to. Oh, definitely. So that's definitely something I got to think of. Plus, you know, sponsors. Hey. Definitely. You know, <laughs> so you've been described by many people as always positive, you know, super compassionate person. Did you overcome a personal issue early on that set you at a crossroads of always looking at the bright side? Tell me a little bit about the moment when it clicked for you, sort of just always seeking positive energy. Like, say, growing up, did you have any kind of turbulence or? I would say, and this is in my book, uh, in the first chapter. Oh, what was the name of your book again? Uh, the name of the book is Walk on Water. Walk on Water. Mm. Not allowing fear to handicap us from being great. And so, um, I was hereditarily, I I inherit a speech impediment, which is stutter. And so, you know, as kids, they kind of make fun of you and... And it's innocent. Right. It's innocent because we're kids. We don't know no better. They think it's innocent. But to you, the one receiving it, it doesn't it, necessarily it, seem as it, innocent. It becomes a, a issue because for them, it's fun. But for me, hey, this is real life. I, I struggle with this. This is something. You go home with that. Yeah. And, and so for me, I took that as not as a, a curse, but a blessing for me to overcome and be able to have everybody understand all the words that are coming out of my mouth yeah because we are as people we're we're always looking to to pull the next man down or pull somebody else down because of what they go through when we need to be encouraging Bring so it I, I see it as more a a hurdle that not even a hurdle it's just something that god put me through to be able to, to tell my story to help you or help Help Sue over here to be able to overcome yeah. and know there's hope. Somebody that can re relate to you. So we were talking earlier before we started recording that we're both big Astros fans. So obviously, you know, George Springer's Springer, story. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever got I to maybe Springer. run across his path or anything like that yet? Uh, not yet. No. no we're going to find some way to make that happen. That yeah. would be cool. Yeah, because Springer, he's a, he's very good in that platform of. And I'm not, I think he has a, a, a charity with that. And I, I would love to kind of help. Along those lines, I don't even have to meet him. As long as I make do some work for his charity, yeah, to do some work for you know, to help my story, to help someone else, to help the ones that we are right. serving. You know, that'll be great. Yeah, I mean, when kids can look up to Springer and see, oh, like he's essentially a superhero. He's somebody you see mm -hmm. on TV, and oh, he's also dealing with a stutter that I might deal with myself. And then you know, you can become something, so to speak. Like, obviously, I mean, you've wrote books, you're successful, but you're still on your path to being even more successful. But kids could look up to you in that same way they look to Springer, you know, almost as a superhero. Uh, have you read the book? Uh, by, have you read a book by David Sedaris? Sedaris his name's David Sedaris. It's called Me Talk Pretty One Day. I have not. But it, it's a really, you have to check it out. It's a very good book, very sarcastic and funny, but he, he dealt with growing up a speech impediment as okay. well. Okay. So, I mean, in the first couple of chapters, what hit home to you? Because it's him in school, and when he first starts realizing he's getting pulled from class, and he's in with other yeah. special needs, or this and that. And definitely. Yeah. We're talking, you've had to talk to a, a speech therapist growing up. Speech therapist. And was it frustrating? Well, it was, yes, because I thought, you know, I'm trying to express to you, she, she would always say, Jacoby, slow down. Breathe. Yeah. You can talk, and you can do this. Slow down. And so I think I remember at one point she used to make me write everything down and and read it out to her slowly to try to develop my breathing and my calmness because she she figured out that when I was caught on speaking and, and talk the the thought of me knowing I'm about to stutter would trigger me stuttering. Stuttering. She said, but. If it was just casual conversation, I was fine. Mm -hmm. So she kind of helped me along in those words. And I was sitting next to other people, uh, other classmates. One other person, uh, one of my classmates, she had, she was tongue tied. So she would, you know, her tongue would get tied as, as she is speaking. Yeah. So she would help her out too. 
And so that taught me to be patient with other people who also have a deficiencies in life, to be caring, to to um, agree with them in their in their need and in their yeah. time of struggle. Because you know what they're going through. Yeah. Even if it varies a little bit. So you kind of, I guess at a young age, already, even before you were aware of it, had that calling to help others, even oh, not even necessarily on the religious side, but just helping definitely. people at a human level. Were you guys really religious growing up as a family? As a family, we were taught about faith. Yes. We, we wasn't to where we were walking around just shouting everywhere, but we were, we're deep in our, our roots and our faith and, and we kind of we were taught with obstacles and like with my stuttering to rely on the faith more than uh, what society has to say. Oh, yeah. Instead of what God He has created you to be, He created you fearfully and wonderfully in His image. Oh, you're great already because He made you. He cre- He thought enough to bring your parents together to create to you. have you. Yeah. And then of course He, in that sense, He gives everybody a struggle because He wants them to overcome it. To prove their he strength. He wants you to know, hey, I created you. Depend on me more than anything. Else. And he wouldn't give you anything he didn't think you could handle. Yeah. Is that you on the right track? Yeah, man? that's a good I'm way to look this. at it. Um, so the part with writing a book, were you always a writer growing up? Journals or writing for fun, like fiction? or I hated writing. Hated writing, really? You're that's an author profession. with a published hard copy book. Jay, hated it. Hated writing. I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say, say okay, hate is a strong word. I wouldn't. It wasn't my strong suit. If I could do anything else, it would be math or reading, but not writing. I could write now. It's just it wasn't for some. It felt I, like a chore. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't something that I was interested in in doing. And I would never thought in many years that I would be an author, author. self published author, doing you know writing books and trying to help people be great in their life. I never would have thought that. So how did this book come about? This book came about through, of course, some personal experiences and through, I mean, you are, through the personal conversations to where I felt the call and the need to write and help others. Because through my personal conversations, through through friends, through coworkers, through just everyday life and living, I discovered a lot of us are living in fear. Not to a sense that we are scared, but... It's things in our life that we won't address or won't do or won't go the next step because we are fearful of the result or we are fearful of how it happened in the past and we think that it will be reoccurring. Yeah, people don't like to feel uncomfortable. People are scared of being uncomfortable. Exactly. And what I try to relate is a lot of times in life we have to be uncomfortable to be able to grow. Yeah, we have to get out of the box of being comfortable. Like I'm good at my job, I'm I'm good at making this money, but God is calling you to the next step to make more money. Yeah, you want to keep or elevating to the next yourself. Step to make to do bigger and better things. I always want to elevate. Right. And so through that, I, I started discovering, man, we it's a lot of things that we are living in fear, and God has not called us that. I just have kids and 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 students and. And people at the church would do the bare minimal when God has given them so much potential to, to be great, so much potential to do much more than they're doing. They're doing the average when God has called them the greatness. It's right. so easy to be mediocre. Right. It's so easy to be average. All we got to do, wake up, clean ourselves off, in the car, go to work, bam, bam. We right back at the same position, come home, let's do it all over again. But it takes that next step, the extra mile, the extra ump, the extra energy to be walking in our greatness. Yeah. And so from that, that book, I was so inspired. I said, okay, I got to write something. I got to put this out for people to hear. And it was just a, a, a boiling yearning on the inside of me that really had me okay. I think I need to do this. You can get this out. Because it started to become so many people. Like, every day I'm like, this can't be. This got to be a sign of God's or something that I need to do that people need to hear. Because, tragically, it's a lot of people that are affected by that. Mm-hmm. And 
and it's not even signs of of they're scared. Like I said earlier, it's more signs of little small things that are 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 episodes of fear. So like, um, section in my book I call that procrastination is fear. When we procrastinate on doing what we are supposed to do, yeah, or what we should be doing, I see that as an episode or an integral of of fear. Because if it wasn't, we would go ahead and hop into it and do it and do it. It's like kids at a playground or at McDonald's, man. They see that playground, they gonna hop right on in there. But if they see it, it's something that's stopping them. Or that they're scared of going in their playground, then they're fearful. That's procrastination. We know what we should be doing. We see the playground. We want to go play, but nah, we uh, nah. Put it off. And no, thank you. Oh, I'm tired, or I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. The deadline's not till tomorrow at five p.m. Okay, I'll just wait and do it. Do when it we know we we could do it now. And then sometimes, like I said earlier, we already know the end result. Yeah. So we we kind of put off. I gotta go to the doctor for this ache that I, I'm feeling in my back, but I already know it is. So I really don't want to go because I know the answer. You don't I want that you, confirmation. I give you a quick testimony. I um I was in the gym January 2016 at Fitness Connection. I'm 45 right here. Okay. Went to work out, have a, a good workout, I'm feeling good, energy flowing, blood flowing. I sat down on the bench press. I was doing the bench press. I, I think I was 245. I got up and I do some push-ups. I did that three times. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'm going to hit it one more time. Went up on the bench press, putting it down, and I didn't have a spot. Putting it down, pushed up. Torn peck or what? Tore my bicep. Tore your bicep. Oh. It's like a wrap around the bone almost. Tore my bicep. Oh. And so I felt it pull right apart when I pressed up. So I got help. Got it off. And the guy was like, what happened? I said, man, I think I, I sprained it. So I'm speaking positive, right? I sprained it. I go and look in the mirror. There's blood spots just everywhere in my chest and in my bicep. I was like. I told myself, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm good. I didn't tear it. Fearful of what the end result was going to be, I knew. Subconsciously, you knew it was torn. But in the back of my in the back of my mind, I knew oh, it's torn. But in the front of my mind, I'm like, nah, it ain't torn. Because yeah. I already know what the end result, what he's going to tell me. So I went to my cousin, who's an athletic trainer at Texas Southern University. I went to him. I didn't ask him what he thought. I just wanted him to treat it. I okay. said, he said, cuz I got you. He helped me out. You know, he told me some things to do, showed me some things to do. He's like, but I want to make you a doctor's appointment. I was like, oh. I felt like my whole world was cussed. I was like, all right, let's do it. That's what you wanted to avoid, though. I was avoiding the end result. I was procrastinating from going to the doctor. I could have went. Yeah. Could have easily went the day after or a few days after. Day of even. Yeah. Right. So we make the appointment, we go, and lo and behold, I, I take my shirt off. The doctor looked and started nodding. He touches it. I was like, it's sprained, huh, Doc? It's sprained. I'm still <laughs> fearful of the end result. Yeah. Hoping in the front of my mind, he's going to tell me it's sprained. Because sometimes we overthink. So I'm thinking, I'm being positive. I'm thinking of everything, Jay. Yeah. Like, I'm overthinking. Speaking into existence, yeah. though. <laughs> you know, hey, it's just spraying. I'll be all right. I can rehab. He said, no, the blood spots tell me it's torn. And he, now here's a doctor who went to school, has a doctoral degree in medical. And yet I tell him, doc, it ain't torn. He's like, okay. <laughs> How about we do a he or she? He wanted to help me out. He's like, okay. How about we do MRI? MRI came back. I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I know it's torn, but still, I was procrastinating and adding to your medical bill. No, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Insurance is going crazy, right? 
We just kept wanting to put off that wrong answer or what you procrastinating, knowing the end result. Yeah. And a lot of times, of course, the, the MRI confirmed it. It was torn. So a lot of times in life, that's what we do. We procrastinate. We go around the real truth. And that's part of being in fear and living our life in fear. So that's where the book, the basis of the book comes from. It's like, I got to let the world know. I got to let everyone know. Friends, family, loved ones, haters, and enemies know, hey, we we can't do this. We can't live in fear. Yeah. Fear is usually worse than the actual problem. Like, I bet when you got that MRI back and the results back and you saw it was torn, I guarantee you there was some kind of sigh of relief almost. You just kind of knew, you know, you're, you're scared of like, it's like lying. Usually lying about something is worse than the crime. You know, that lie is worse than the problem. Exactly. What kind of, and the thing about it was I procrastinated around that when, when really it wasn't even that bad. Yeah. Do some rehab. (laughs) It wasn't that bad because now I'm stronger than I ever been. But if I had not procrastinated, I would have been stronger Sooner. A lot sooner mm-hmm. than I was. But me being fearful of the end result, procrastinating. Yeah. So I want to just share, and that's where the book comes from. Where I can relate here, one of the first things I feel like I acknowledged a fear growing up, and believe it or not, I consider myself introvert, which okay. everybody thinks I'm crazy when I say that or just wrong, <laughs> wrong perception. But I never liked public speaking and I was kind of, I felt like I was shy, especially in class. If I was acting out or not being shy, it was kind of, you know, defense mechanism. Yeah, defense mechanism. But it had to be like freshman year in high school, summer going into it. I did not want to do speech class for a whole semester. That scared the scared me a lot. So I was like, I'm just gonna do it in summer school. It's probably what, like six weeks worth or whatever, and you get it all knocked out of the way quick. And it was auditorium style class with maybe 60 whatever kids, 50, wow. 60 kids, bigger than normal, because a lot of people are trying to get it all over with. And I learned maybe by the second week. If you just give your speech first, you're doing maybe one speech a week. And there's so many kids, only 15, 20 kids can go a day. So it lasts over three or four days. So I learned to give that speech first and then you get to sit back and chill. While if you wait till the end, you got to listen to everybody else's speech. And you're also nervous about yours longer. And you're building it up. You're building that fear. Yeah, yeah. When really there's nothing to be scared about. And then I think just over time, I learned going first. None of these people were even listening to me because they're worried about their own their own speeches they have to give. And then I also learned, because I'd always been good at writing and kind of being a smart aleck and trying to be goofy, and I could just make that verbal now. So once I started getting a reaction in speech class and making people laugh, then it was really downhill for my teachers after that, though, because then it was just class clown, you know? I learned, oh, I can make people laugh with this little timing or this little mechanism. But yeah, I still, at the end of the day, I consider myself introvert. You know, I just kind of want to be left alone or a little shy. It's weird because I'm a bartender. I own a podcast or host a podcast. It's the opposite of introvert. Yep. You know, like, so they're extrovert. Yeah. At this point, I'll never meet a stranger. You know, yeah. I learned that from bartending. When people sit down, I'm just not talking to you. You know, I don't like doing the whole read off a script. Like, hey, what, these are our specials today, or da, da, da. it's like, hey, what do you want? I'll tell you what's good and what's they not good. They already know what mm-hmm. they coming in there for. Any other um, creative outlets? I guess maybe besides writing. Have you ever been into like music, like playing instruments or singing? Or... I am a percussionist. Okay, I play the drums. You play the drums. I play nice. The drums. Growing up, I learned in, in school in a band. Okay, so you did band drum. in like fifth or sixth grade. Yeah, we started in band in middle school with the drums. Then, so it started with snare. Well, it started with the tenor, the sideways drum. Started with the tenor, then I moved to snare, then I moved to quince. And essentially, I learned how to play the drums. But I learned how to play the drums first before any of that from my cousin. Okay. Who's, who's actually an awesome a musician now. And percussionist, he plays for uh, for a few artists, uh, a few uh, jazz musicians as well. Like currently, he's, yeah. is he older than you? We're we're actually two weeks apart. Oh, some close in age. I was wondering maybe he's older than you, and you wanted to get into it because he was already into it, and you wanted to well, impress him or something. We we hung around each other. We grew up together, so he would always be banging and banging. So of course we all bang. He's yeah. a twin, so okay. Him and his brother bang. And so, of course, he I come along, but I'm banging too. Yeah, so it must have been fun for y'all's family. Again, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell my aunt that. Yeah, whose ears? Who's playing the drums again? <laughs> and so, at a young age, we used to bang a lot. So the parents, my auntie, 
and my uncle, they bought him a, a, a drum set. And from there, I picked it up from him. And then I went to school. It just enhanced it. And I've been a percussionist ever since. Been a percussionist. That's fun. Do you sometimes just play just for yourself? Just as like uh, a venting process? Or? I don't have a drum set here, but around the house I may do old school. Catch yourself. Beat, beat or something. Yeah. On my furniture, on my table. Sorry, a lot while you're thinking about yeah. something for the day. And, and for me, it is a uh, coping mechanism. Okay. For me, sometimes I'll just, if I'm thinking about something or something on my mind, I'll just. Right. I'll just start beating and things will, okay, yeah. Come to you. So what I do a lot, I grew up playing baseball, and even now, I'll catch myself with standing around with a pen. I'm taking dry swings for no reason. I do that a lot. You got a bat. Yeah, I'd be the one. I got one in my garage, and I'm sitting there swinging, not even realizing it. See, that and baseball, see, for me, of course, we talked earlier, I played baseball, too. So beating and baseball was my two go-to. Yeah. Your escape. Yeah. That was my escape from seventeen. If I was, if I was bored, if I was stressed. Even now, as an adult, I just sent a text message to one of my teammates saying, hey, I'm having baseball withdrawals. We got to do something. Yeah. Go to a softball field yeah, or play catch. Life is just uh, – and how we, we let our stress out is on the baseball field. Yeah. Just, even just throwing a ball yeah, back and forth. It's, it's so therapeutic. Real quick, I learned doing this podcast earlier with this app specifically. Once I get to 30 minutes, it stops recording. And I learned that the hard way with an artist, um, Jonathan, a couple episodes ago. So real quick, I'm just going to do an ad read, and we'll be back with you guys shortly. Since I have this little ad break real quick, because my conversation with Jacoby goes long, I want to do a... Really quick shout out for a former guest, Charles Cannon. You've heard me talk about him a lot. Um, if you see me in person, I talk about him all the time. If you're a sneakerhead or know anybody that's really into shoes, check out my man Charles. He's the owner of Illustrious Souls. You can find him on Instagram at Illustrious Souls. And that's Souls, S-O-L-E-S. The dude is insane with his talent and designing custom one-of-one shoes. Uh, he's going to blow up huge. He kind of already is blowing up. It's been really fun to see his journey, uh, whether it be comic book characters, sports teams, movie superheroes, whatever you're into, whatever your favorite thing is. If you're into bands, um, he can make a shoe for you. So definitely check him out. Again, you can find him on Instagram at Illustrious Souls. You can also find him on Facebook just searching Charles Cannon. That's Cannon, C-A-N-N-O-N. Check this guy out so you can say you knew him when. You won't regret it. All right, so we're back from our little break. Um, there's a gentleman, R.C. Blakes Jr. He wrote the foreword to your book. Yes, sir. As a successful pastor overseeing multiple congregations, would you consider him a personal influence and mentor? Mentor, Or how did you guys first come into contact? Um. I would see him as a, a personal influence and mentor. I do definitely love his ministry. I love his 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 motto in life and his his thesis on life. And I met him through um, a friend of mine who I was dating at the time, or I, I knew of. She introduced me to him. into him. Okay, so she had went to his church or had seen him before. Yeah. Or... yeah, she's a member of his church, and so she's like, "Hey, why don't you come to church?" And so we and uh, I visit there a few times. Where's his church at? It's here in Houston, in, right? One of them. Is, one of the locations is here in Houston, off Shermier Street in Houston. What's uh, the name of the church? Uh, New Home Family Ministries. New Home Family Ministries, because I know he's got them a couple over Texas and some in Louisiana. Right? Yes, in New Orleans. New Orleans. He's based in. In New Orleans, he's a Saints fan. Saints fan, poor guy. Bless his heart. He's hanging out with the Cowboy fans right, right now. <laughs> and the Texans. Maybe the Texans fans by tomorrow. Oh, we're just seeing the end of the San Francisco game, and I lost my parlay. That's a oh, right. It was like five bucks. It's no big deal. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so obviously you and Mr. Blake's hit it off, oh, I'm guessing. Yes. Once I was introduced to him, um, the idea came from my friend to uh, 
indulge. She's like, Mom, why don't you ask him? And you have a relationship with him. Y'all talk, y'all laugh and talk. So I went to him and, and he definitely accepted. And because, and he kind of, as well, he mentioned it to it, you know, as well in his sermons. And he, that's something that he, he wants to do, be able to use his platform to help others right. and be able to, to use himself as a, a platform to help anyone else who, who who's coming along. It yeah. was, he thought it was a privilege to really help me out. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially on my heart, yeah, because he's got a bunch of books and stuff yeah. written too. So for you to have him as your forward, I mean, that had to be mind blowing for yeah, you. Like, really I can't was, believe I was, this is happening. It, when he said he accepted before I could even ask him, he kind of knew where I was going. He said, "I would love to." And I was like, I so was "You're like so a nervous mean, little kid yeah, getting ready to ask him." To be honest, I wasn't going to have a forward, okay, at all. I, I wasn't going to have a, a, a forward. And then I told my dad about the book. He said, yeah, before it, I was like, no, not yet. And and so I had to even it to my pastor to read before I even even put it out there. I was going to ask my pastor. But do then the, the spirit just spoke and said, well, why don't you have him to do it? And, and she had already mentioned it. So I was like, okay. And then it's like no slight to your your pastor at the time, but oh, this gentleman has a bigger not. reach yeah. also, you know, so it kind of gets the word out a little bit more. So this being your first novel, how long start to finish did it take? We're talking about a year in the works, two years in the works. Start to finish. When you wrote the first word down. Start to finish. I started in like May of 2015. Okay. And I finished my last word probably July 2019. Okay, so it's a process, a big process. For so sure. for three years, I procrastinated. Was it procrastination or was it figuring out where you're going to go with the book? Maybe you still needed that time to keep learning more to have content for the book, I guess. I love how you put that. I love how you put that. I would say it was more of me procrastinating. It still was procrastinating. There's no way to shine it. It was procrastination. Yeah, yeah. You could have done the book quicker if you'd have sat down every day for three hours and Knocked it out. I feel like I could have done it quicker. But the strangest thing happened, I think, with all design because some of the things that are in my book are some events that happened within the last few years to where if I would have did it earlier, those events I would never been able to put in the book in and relate book. to to the, uh, the subject at hand. Right. So... It was all a blessing in disguise for me. Yeah, you could say it's almost a win-win. So if you think about it like this with your next book, you could say, oh, if I'd have wrote that one quick and efficient, I would have missed out on some of these stories. But then also, if you look at it this way, all those other stories is a second book, buddy. You know what I'm saying? Like, now you got content for another. Because I can't lie, you're probably going to have this. You plan on doing a second novel at some point? Or is it one of those? No. no, That's a hard (laughs) no. No. Never again. I'll be honest. I'm open to it, but currently, I, I... don't have anything to write about no more. Yeah. Besides what now is going on with the other uh, Walk on Water book. And everyone says, oh, you're going to write another one. This is just your first one. I'm like, mm, I don't want to no. write another one. I was called I mean, specifically to write this book. And, and I'm not opposed to it if the Lord says, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you talk about this? Or he puts in my spirit to do another one. But now I'm all out. You're good. <laughs> I'm empty. You emptied the writing tank. The tank is empty right now. How many words is it? 30. 33,000. Yep. That's the sweet spot. That 30 to 40,000, they yeah. say, is for a novel. So I think it's like 33,000 words. That is no joke. That is no light load of work to do. 33,000 words is insane. Uh, you sit down and write about a page on a Word document, it's about 800 words just for one page. Mm-hmm. So if you put it into that concept. Do you have anything planned as far as like maybe book tour or anything like that yet? Or is it not to that I, level yet? I'm in the process of planning everything. I do want to to do a book tour. I'm, I'm, I'm planning to go to Cali and Atlanta, and I want to get in Louisiana. And my basis will be the church right now. Yeah, But I'm definitely open to more different platforms. Like I told you earlier, I did... Uh, a, a charity concert where I set up a vendor spot and everyone who passed, 
I told them about the book. Mm-hmm. If they asked or if they wanted to know more, hear more about it, I told them more about the book. So the book tour, I'm planning to probably start in like April of this year, being Cali, being Atlanta, being Louisiana, and different spots. You already have dates and, and locations lined up, like communicated with We them. are in the process of lining those up. Is the know? church helping out, playing like the manager role, I guess, say? Like who would be your manager, or is it all on you? It's all on me. All on you. That's the hard, that's the hard yeah, part. Yeah, I right? self-publish, so. Yeah. I, you know, I self-publish, and so right now I'm just I'm, I'm looking at calendar, looking at dates, talking to people, talking to pastors, mm-hmm. talking to, uh, to business owners about, you know, the book and dates and we're lining up the calendar. So self-published too is where you're paying everything to get these books yes. like mass produced. Yes. Why did you want to go that route more so than finding a publisher or trying to pitch it to publishers then? Because I felt and for me, it would be more efficient for me to do it. And plus, I'll be honest with you, with the cost. Okay. Because with a, a traditional publishing company, they're a dude, a big load work, but of course that they're gonna take a big load of your, a big your chunk money. Of your, yeah. yeah, of your money. I think it may be a, like 70 percent. You have to negotiate, but it's it's more in that area. And I feel like, well, if I wrote this book, if I if God inspired me to write every word in in this book, why can't I reap all the rewards? Reap all the rewards and royalties. I get it that you're. Uh, you know, you're promoting it through media, through all these different things, but it's still not set. There's still no, no guarantee for me for the book to be a bestseller or, or for right. the book to reach as many people. So I, I banked on myself. Yeah, and it's a good way to look at it because now if it, say, it doesn't succeed or it succeeds, either way, you get to say it was because of you. You can't, you don't have that out of, oh, it didn't work because these guys did this or we had a difference of opinion. It's like, no, at the end of the day, you had final say on it. Yeah. Did definitely every word, every turn, every dotted I, every period is all on me. I was mm-hmm. able to find the editor, so all that pretty much worked out, and it's it's pretty it's pretty simple. Looking at it as a whole, to self publish. Yeah, it wasn't as hard as you thought going yeah, into it. It wasn't as I researched everything before I, you know, I sat down, talked to some people, read some more books. You know, along those lines of self-publishing, I read a few articles about the self-publishing, and more people are self-publishing and getting away from the traditional publishers. Traditional publishers. Well, in this day and age, you put anything online now. You do it yourself. You cut out the middleman. I know it. The one that always I tell people about. They turn it into a movie with Matt Damon. It's called The Martian. Yes. Where he's an astronaut, he's out on Mars, right? So that started off as a book, and a guy wrote it, and I can't remember his exact job. He was some chemical engineer or some scientist, whatever, so he knew a lot about that field. But he wrote the book, and he didn't even want to charge for it. He just wanted to put it out there for free. And I guess if you put it on Amazon, at least for the minimum, he had to charge a dollar or something. There's something like that's how the story goes. I might be forgetting. But it blew up. You know, it took off. Then you get a movie written about it. He made millions of dollars off of it. But there was no publisher, really anything. If I remember correctly, he just stuck it online and had to charge because he had to. And then it didn't even blow up right away. All of a sudden, it got essentially like a cult following. And then, boom, Matt Damon's in your movie. (laughs) You know, it's crazy how that's what usually happens. You know, starting off with stories like mine, stories like The Martian, it always starts off slow. But Mm -hmm. it's like we talked earlier. It takes that one person. That one. It's the same thing with this podcast. You know, it's the same setup. Right now, I got maybe about 400 viewers, but you just keep putting content out, and you get that one bright interview or that one really that's gonna blow it up. Yeah. Or you get somebody who does a great interview, like I think I'm doing. Yeah. Not, no, I, for I, sure. And, no, that's and, great. Uh, and definitely, which we have somebody else, or they sending it to their friends and sending it, and they're sending it to their friends. Mm-hmm. It becomes a chain, and it just. Blows up. It's just a way of life. That's how how God He sets things up. Yeah, so. it's mutual for both of us. And that I might have somebody that listens to these episodes, and they might be going through something, and maybe they reach out to me. Hey, how can I get in contact with this guy? Or hey, I kind of yeah. want a copy of that book. And then you, you, you're telling your friends and people at the church or coworkers, hey, check out this episode I'm on. I'm on this show. Da da da. Exactly. And then you might have this artist friend who's like, hey, do you think I could be on that show? And it's like I don't know. Let me put you in touch with Jay. Yeah. So exactly. it, it works both ways. Exactly. Every time I talk to somebody, they're like, oh, I'm so appreciative. Thank you so much. And I say every time, though, I'm like, no, thank you. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, you know. I said my sentiments earlier, man. I appreciate the opportunity yeah. to just sit and talk with you, tell my story, you tell your story, yeah. we just share. It's a lot good of life fun. lessons, man. It's fun. It's a good creative outlet. We're making original content. And it's exactly. other people can hear. It's hard for me to go and sit, press play and hear old episodes because you get tired of hearing yourself all the time. But at the same time, no matter where this show goes, no matter what happens, 50 years from now, I can still be like, man, I busted out 10 episodes when I was younger and your granddad was on a right. show. When they're like, shut up. No, you weren't. And I was like, I got proof. Here we go. Yeah. And this is just building a resume, essentially. Each episode exactly. I put out, it's building content. Exactly. Because you are writing, so. Yeah, well, I, I made this joke with my mom, and she'll listen to this at some point, but she's like, oh, this could lead to journalism and maybe school again, and then a radio show. And my mom, this is journalism, though. You know, it's not like the traditional old school means of school, intern, work your way up. Now, in today's day and age, you put content out. Because I want to get to the point with this where at some point I got, you know, a GoPro recording, and we put this on YouTube, and then I have my brother or another friend with me, and they got a phone out and they're taking pictures for Snapchat. And then exactly. you got the other phone for YouTube. And you, exactly. That's really where you want to take it off, you know? So there's definitely a lot of bigger plans and stuff, but it's one step at a time. Right now, I've heard from people just get content out, you know, and then learn as you go. Mm-hmm. So, great. but yeah, so do you do um, specifically right now? You are a, you're a minister yourself. Like, do you have a church that you speak at? What am I trying to, how can I get, not get this out? I am. And, Associate minister. So, my pastor, I, I'm under him at Crossroads Community Church. Crossroads? Where's it at? It's in Pearland. Okay. Uh, Crossroads. Across the street from Miller, uh, I believe that is a middle school, an intermediate school. You're in intermediate school? A junior high. And then, how often? Are you there on Wednesdays and Sundays? Is that your there, job? Are you there like Monday through Friday? Or. I am, um, so I do, I'm bivocational, as they call it. So I, I work my a regular job, and then on Wednesday nights, I, I attend Bible study. And, of course, on Sundays, I attend church. And whenever I'm called upon, I'll be able to, to share a word or do whatever that needs to be done within the service. To help out. Yeah. So what's your day job? I am a chemical a process operator. Process operator. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking about that earlier yeah. down in Freeport, right? In Freeport. So you yes. make that drive every day. Yes, I do. Yep. See, I like, I'll drop my brother off at work. He's got to be there at eight. And then I work here in Perryland. So I drop him off at eight and then just boom, I got to be here by 9 30. But I like it because I get to work earlier. But mm-hmm. And you get off earlier. Yeah. So you had your day. Yeah. I don't mind the day job anymore. It's weird. It's a total change. Would you ever think you're going to get to a point where you could leave the day job behind? I do believe that. At some point it'll happen. At some point it can't happen. It's one of those like general questions of where you see yourself in five years, essentially. Like what are your plans lined up? Five year, my five year plan. I appreciate that question. Oh, one year, ten years, whatever you want it to be. Um now that you've finished this book and you said you almost gotta you know, you're doing book tours and stuff like that. I will hope to be talking more and telling the world about walk on water. About fear, because like I told you, like you guys heard earlier, is that how many of us are living in fear? I wish I can pull up the statistics because I'm not the only one. She not the only one. He not the only one. It's everybody. Not the only one. It's, it's everybody, it's, honestly. It, everybody at some point in their life lived in some aspect of fear. Yeah. And so within a year, two, three, five, ten years, I want to be still talking about in some way or capacity about not living in fear about walk on one and who's to say like you said i may have another book i may not but yeah, 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 i bet you do you don't want to admit it yet but it's like that <laughs> earlier with the tie with the bicep prayer the bicep tear in the back of your head yeah it's one of those things like i ain't got a book yet but it, it, it's coming so that's really my plan and i do see myself eventually maybe Working for the, for the church full time. Full time. Would you ever so, want to have your own congregation yourself? Could you see that being a possibility 15 years down or whatever? Down being a possibility, yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Because I never want to to cut myself off of what God has for me. Right. And, and if it's in God's will, whatever he wants you to do, whatever his design for your life is going to happen. 
is it's very much so inevitable. He's got it mapped out. You can't run from it. You can't hide it. You can't, you know, hide behind the counter. Oh, it's coming and it's going to happen. Yeah. So whether I accept it or not, hands are tied. My hands are, are tied. And only thing I'll be able to say, okay, yes, I, I'm in. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's something that I see myself. But I, I do want to also, as I'm working towards this, become a business owner in some aspect. Okay. I have. A few different lanes. I'm thinking about going in, but I do want to because I don't want to work for, you know, Olin for another 20 years. Right. And and that's just me speaking. Yeah, personally. there's nothing wrong with that. But deep because down, you're not a nine to five. Entrepreneurship these days are the way to go. Yep. You are. I am. I'm generating some uh some legacies, some wealth. For generations to come, yeah, generational wealth for your kids, and, and I just think working for a company is kind of a longer road to limiting to establish that. Yeah. It's very limiting, very limiting. And again, nothing wrong with that. Definitely, you know, the people that choose that lifestyle, yeah. But it's also not for everybody. I could never exactly. do the nine to five. I couldn't do it. I was I did electrician work for like six months, and I got fired. But I was kind of like blessed that I got fired. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I guess. I climbed yes. up a ladder. I had a buddy, and we were both pre-apprentices, so we shouldn't even have been on our own. You're always supposed to have a foreman or a journeyman with you when you're a pre-apprentice, you know, digging ditches, essentially. But one of my other pre-apprentices was hooked up on his harness on top of a ladder, but then he couldn't reach to get it down. So I put a ladder next to it and just climb right on up and unhook him. But I, I wasn't hooked up to a ladder, and I guess we were too close to an edge. I don't know, some safety guy. Just, I got a phone call that weekend. Yeah, hey, we got to let you go. So you're thinking, man, okay, it worked out. I started playing poker again full time. You know, I was on the road playing poker. Everything, it always leads to somewhere. My thing is like, in full disclosure, I'm not, I consider myself um, agnostic, not religious, but I believe, yeah. like I'm very big on like positive energy and positive yeah. vibes. And even going to church, you don't even have to necessarily go for a religious aspect. It's just positive. It's good lessons and learning, messages to learn. You know, you can take the religion part out of it. Yeah. yeah, no, of course you walk in and, it's almost undeniable. You get that good feeling when you walk in, no matter what you're dealing with on the side. The whole week, you might have had a rough week at work. Boom, Sunday morning or Wednesday night, you walk into church. You can put all that stuff at the door for an hour or two hours. All the good vibes and yeah. inspiration. And if you're open-minded, because I consider myself very open-minded, just it doesn't have to be, oh, well, I don't believe in God, so I don't go to church. Okay, well, you're missing out. You know, it's like you don't yeah. have to be ignorant to it or yeah. hard-headed just because. But definitely, where can people find your book at? People can find it on my website at www.jbarefield, B-A-R-E, okay. field.com. Okay. It's on Amazon, and it's also on thebookpatch.com. That's one word, thebookpatch.com. So how did you figure out that website? The, book uh, patch the editor just, sent it to me. Okay, he said, hey, you get in touch with these guys. Yeah. And so I was able to post it on there, and okay, people can find you on Instagram or Facebook. Yes, also, sir. what's your what's your Instagram? Because that's what the kids like nowadays, my, my, right? <laughs> Instagram is J Barefield Five, the number five. Okay, and a Facebook, is of course, my name. This Jacoby your name, Barefield. Yeah, Facebook keeps it easy. No, no, no ads, this or that, whatever. All right, dude, it's been great talking to you. It was awesome yeah, meeting you. I got lucky on this one. Again, man. Oh, you know, it's Appreciate been great having you on, having brother. Me. Yes, sir. All right. It's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. I want to give a huge thanks again to Jacoby and his wife for letting us record in his kitchen, especially during the NFL playoffs. We were originally scheduled to record at my bar, but because it was playoff time for the NFL and my sound quality is still my biggest weakness, I wanted to, I mean, I figured it'd be better off at a quiet place. He's truly a brave man for living life the way he does, and he doesn't let any speech issues define him or limit him. He really uses them to his advantage, honestly. I was still pretty shocked that he doesn't ever plan on writing another book, but who knows, maybe a higher power will fill him with words that he just has to put onto paper. I'm also pumped that he's a baseball fan because now I have a new friend to go to games with once the season gets started. I really want to find a way to connect him with George Springer because they have similar struggles with speech and Springer has a local charity helping kids to handle the issue. 
I've fallen behind with regards to storing conversations with people, and I currently do not have a guest lined up for next week. It might be a case of using one of my two conversations that I have in case of emergencies, but honestly, I feel like something will pop up out of nowhere the next day or two. I've been really lucky with this podcast when it comes to meeting people that I would have never met otherwise. I know I've made some lifelong friendships with people, and I'm excited to follow their respective journeys as we all continue to learn and grow with our passion that is creativity. I understand that this is one of the longer episodes and also I'm just not feeling too great right now. So I won't spend any more time keeping you guys here. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and checking out these episodes. It's been a real humbling. It's been real humbling to know that I can make content that others get to listen to and hopefully enjoy. I also love knowing that I get to introduce people's art to an audience that otherwise wouldn't be aware of it. Until next time, squeeze your loved ones as tight as possible. Say I love you way too much to the people that you care for, and don't take any second for granted. We always hear moments are fleeting, and so is life. Don't wait to chase a dream because life doesn't stop. Keep sending out positive vibes, and positive vibes will be returned justly. Take care, people.